Blog Talk Radio. Bringing you excellent entertainment from the king of DC media. Here's the Inside Acting Radio Show. into the greatest, most entertaining, most invigorating radio show in the land, Inside Acting. I'm your host, the highly skilled, who provides thrills, the unstoppable, undefeated KDOC, that's King of DC Media, William Powell. Welcome to this special Super Bowl episode. This episode of Inside Acting is brought to you by my online column, DC Actors Examiner, where you'll find many articles about acting, including stories about celebrities. Sign up by Googling DC Actors Examiner, which is nearing five years young in April. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. Do you have a product or service you would love to advertise? I'm sure you do. Contact me at William400 at Yahoo.com. Reach thousands around the world and several in your neighborhood. And be on the lookout for King of DC Media t-shirts on sale soon. Tonight, my guest is comedian, actor, and former NFL Films narrator and star of the Wise Guy Kitchen cooking show, David DiLorenzo. 
Next week, my guest will be Penny Johnson-Gerald, who played the president's wife in 24 and plays Captain Victoria Gates on ABC's TV show Castle. And that will be Wednesday, February 6th, 10 p.m. Eastern and 7 p.m. Pacific. And the very next night, I will have Black Enterprise columnist Jennifer Streaks on to talk about how actors can build wealth and improve their brands. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. I have tonight a very special co-host, a good long-term friend, a sports columnist at D.C. Women's Sports Examiner, a God-fearing man, I call him Mr. Drywood himself, the A and the A, that's Andy Arnold. I'll bring Andy in in a minute. And the second half of the show tonight is going to be a bit of a Super Bowl panel. So later tonight, I'm going to have Tico Wells calling into the show. You know him from the Five Heartbeats and the Cosby Show. He's from here in D.C. In fact, we went to the same elementary school. Tico and I will be teaching an on-camera workshop in Glen Arden, Maryland, in March. Details to follow. And if that wasn't enough, I have calling in my main man, Fred Foster, president of Fred Foster Fitness, which can be found at www.fredfosterfitness.com. And Fred actually has his own radio show called Extreme Health, which premieres this Tuesday, February 4th at 12.30 p.m. on WOL 1450 for those of you in the D.C. area. And if you're not in the D.C. area, you can still listen. He's at woldcnews.com. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. We have a mega football fan, Peasy Head, the Flash. He's probably going to be calling in as well a little later. So I've got a full house tonight. Really do, really do. Uh, half acting, half sports, and all fun. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. Now, you know, it's reported that 49% of Americans are fans of the NFL. I mean, this. Sunday Super Bowl number 48 at MetLife Stadium in Rutherford, New Jersey, will be one of the most viewed TV shows of the year. Super Bowl ads this year are $4 million for 30 seconds. Oh, my goodness. Holy Toledo. That's a lot of money. That's a lot of money. Now, last year I interviewed Jesse Heyman, a.k.a. the world's greatest extra, before and after his GoDaddy Super Bowl ad where he kissed a supermodel, and I can tell you the ratings for this show, uh, before I talked to him, before he was on that commercial and after that commercial was just unbelievable. It's just amazing the fame that the Super Bowl can give a celebrity or a previously unknown. It's just unbelievable, unbelievable exposure. So I'm going to bring in my co-host, the A and the A, New Carrollton's finest, Andy Arnold, and I see that he's not quite ready yet, so let me go ahead and give him a quick call, and maybe he's just too excited about the Super Bowl, and he's just getting all excited about it, and maybe he got caught up and forgot to dial into the show, but let me bring him in, and I see uh, David DiLorenzo's on the line, so hold on, David, so let me get my co-host first. 
and then we can get rolling, get the show on the road here. Let's, okay, there he is. There he is. So let me bring in. I got It's so good. I got to introduce him. Introduce him again, Mr. Drywit himself, the A and the A, New Carrollton's finest. Andy Arnold has dropped off. Let me let me dial again. I thought he was coming in. Okay, see if I can get him. Hello. Hey, Andy, you're on the air. Great, wonderful. Fantastic. I tried calling Fantastic. in on the number you gave me. Okay, all right. Well, you're in now. <laughs> How are you doing tonight? I'm doing pretty good. That's good. Hey, well, thanks for being my co-host. No problem. All right, all right. So tell my listeners a little bit about your caller, man. Well, it's been around for three or four years. I try to focus on uh, women's sports in the D.C. area. A lot of it deals with uh, college sports at all three divisions, one, two, and three. Last year was a particularly good year for Division Three uh, women's basketball here with uh, Marymount and Catholic having really great seasons, some of the best seasons in their history. And this year, of course, Maryland's always in the top 10 or probably the top 15 after suffering two losses last week. But uh, they're still one of the best in the country. Uh, Georgetown has a couple very good players. They have a freshman who's about 6'5", Natalie Butler. She's Mm -hmm. posting double doubles left and right, and uh, she gets some help out there. I mean, the team's having an awful season. But if they get some help for her, she could uh, turn things around. Yeah, that, that's the thing. I mean, as in sports and as in life, there's always seems like there's always a missing ingredient. You know, if you can just get that missing either a missing ingredient or a stumbling block to overcome. And if you can do that, you can you can rise to the next level. But let me ask you, before we get to our guest, man, what, what is there a curse on sports teams here in the in the D.C. area? No, not at all. You just have to look at the right teams. So often the. Uh, <laughs> Well, so often the mainstream media look at uh, the Redskins, the Bullets, or Wizards, as some call them, or the the Nationals, and there's a whole lot more to sport than that. They look at uh, Georgetown and Maryland's men's football. They look at Maryland football, uh, excuse me, Maryland football and Georgetown and Maryland men's basketball. And they think that's all there is. And Maryland, in this decade, has had several national champions with uh, with uh, lacrosse and with field hockey. Maryland uh, had a woman who graduated last year who won back-to-back T. Wharton awards, and those are the equivalent of uh, Heisman trophies for uh, for uh, lacrosse. So. They're track All-Americans. They're All-American uh, gymnasts. Uh, there are quite a few good athletes and teams, but then there's a lot of good sports news. But the uh, mainstream media ignores women's sports. And it's odd because you can look at the uh, Washington Post almost any day, and they'll have a page of high school news, and they'll split that between boys and girls. But once these uh, girls go on to college, 
you know, there's no, no news about them at that point. Yeah, yeah, I do notice that. Even the local papers like a Gazette, you see all these wonderful write-ups, you know, especially, you know, women athletes, and it's fantastic. And it's very inspiring stories. And like I say, when you go to college, it's like, whoop, it's like you went into a black hole somewhere. And from the media point of view, it's, well, no one's interested in that. And my question is, well, how do you know no one's interested in that if you never offer people the opportunity to be interested in it? Right. Yep, yep, that's what it comes down to. So now I hear there's some uh, controversy with Lolo Jones and the Winter Olympics. What's going on there? Well, it's not really controversy. Again, it's something that, you know, the uh, mainstream media wants to promote so that it can sell newspapers. Lolo Jones is, of course, a very attractive, uh, sexy uh, hurdler. And she mm-hmm. has been unsuccessful in her attempts to uh, win gold in the Olympics for the last eight years. So now she's switched sports and she's uh, running with the bobsled team. And as a hurdler, is that music for us? Mm, no, it's just the background music. Okay, as a hurdler, she's a terrific athlete, lifts a lot of weights, she's very fast, she's quick, and that's what you need in the bobsled. These uh, carts are at least 375 pounds. I'm not sure if that's a two-man or the four-man, but uh, you need someone strong, you need someone who's going to give you some speed right off the bat, and you need someone who's, of course, quick enough to get in the back of the cart and get their head down once you get moving. And a sprinter is perfect for that. And, uh, you know, back in the, I think it was the late 80s, uh, Herschel Walker, the old football star, was yep. a men's bobsledder. And there was no discussion about that. When I was down at Calvert County, uh, there was a high school football player who had gone on to college, and when I was covering him, he was trying to make the uh, Lake Placid team. He had all the athletic ability, but he was doing various fundraisers trying to get support uh, mm. for the bobsled team. And so it's not uncommon for athletes who are big and strong to uh, take this route. Uh, for instance, I think this year the women's bobsled women's bobsled team, don't try saying that three times fast, <laughs> yeah. has uh, Elena Myers on it, uh, Georgetown University shortstop, uh, former Georgetown University shortstop, as J-Lo, and uh, has another uh, cross-training athlete on it that I'm not uh, thinking of her name off the top of my head. She's not a local girl. That's probably why I can't think of her. Evans, uh, I think she might have been a shot putter at some time. Uh, A.J. Evans. But she... Uh, okay. Oh, she was also a sprinter, shot putter and sprinter. So she, uh-huh. of course, has, again, the strength, the speed, and the quickness to uh, do what needs to be done with the bobsled. So there shouldn't be any controversy about this. I mean, the skills, anyone who knows anything about sprinting knows that these are fine athletes. 
They're very right. strong, great speed, and they have the quickness. And that plays well with bobsledding. Yeah, because I heard that uh, Lolo put on like 60 pounds. She put on a lot of muscle. So now what's the the most interesting storyline right now in the NBA? Well, if you listen to people in Washington, it is uh, the Wizards are back to 500. <laughs> now, personally, I don't find that very interesting. Uh, you've got two of it. Mello's about to hit 19,000 points. Maybe he went over tonight, as a matter of fact. But again, in my time, I look back at uh, Will Chamberlain, and players today just do not compare to that. I mean, there were seasons where if he had 30 points in a night, he had an off night. And now if you get 30 points, you know, back-to-back nights, that's something to celebrate. You're fantastic. And I think the quality of the game is just, the men's game at least, is just out of control. Everything yeah, I in agree the West with that. is so much better than what we have in the East that uh, it's hard to even compare. You can't compare the East and the West successfully. No, Everything's you can't. in the West. Yeah, yeah. Look at sport, the Spurs and Portland and all those teams. Okay, so we're going to go ahead and bring in David DiLorenzo. He's a comedian. He is a speaker. He's an actor in the Wise Guy Kitchen cooking show. He's a very fun, I've seen his act. He's a very funny man. And he's also a former narrator for NFL Films. So let me bring him on in. Hi, William. Good evening, Hi, Andy. David. How are you? Good evening, gentlemen. How are you, Andy? And, uh, Hi, David. All My right. Well, all right. William yeah. says you're a comedian. Does that mean you uh, cover the Redskins? <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, <laughs> you would think so, wouldn't you? I could have been one of the coaches. Yeah. <laughs> no, I understand. That's a very sad job. I know. You've got to keep yeah. RG3 healthy. That's the key right there. And you've got to give him someone to throw to. And, uh, you know, maybe someone to uh, run the ball a little bit big, you know, better than they have been to keep that pressure off of RG3. I mean, I think if he doesn't pass, he's going to run. And, you know, every time they have a spy on him, it seems like uh, he just can't seem to get uh, get the ball moving down the field. So, uh He's still a young guy, though. Hopefully he'll be healthy enough uh, next season when it starts uh, the, at the beginning of the season and, and stay healthy the whole season. That's, that's the key to that team. That's an, it's an easy division to win, it seems, too. Nobody wants to win that division from year to year, it seems. Yeah, yeah. It's like if you win a division, it's sort of like, uh, I don't know, you get a demerit or a reprimand or something. Nobody yeah, wants you win to it by win accident. Well, Philly, yeah, <laughs> Philly won it by accident this year. I don't even think they wanted to win it. And yeah, like, oh, no, exactly we have to go to the it. playoffs? Oh, boy. Oh boy, so, yeah. But yeah, this, uh, <laughs> not I guess for long. This, you know, in New York, they, they were just looking at the Weather Channel, and they said it's going to be about 41 at kickoff with a 10 mile an hour wind going down to maybe 27 uh, later in the game with a little bit more wind. So uh, it, it would behoove the uh, Broncos to score as many points early in the game as possible because uh, you know Peyton Manning's balls have a tendency to look like balloons at a carnival uh, in windy games. So. Uh, he's going to have to score some points, and that's not going to be very easy because Seattle has such a staunch defense, you know. So, but yeah, uh, we'll get more to the game a little later. Um, okay. So now, tell me, David, how did you become a narrator for NFL films? Oh, it's a, it's a quick story and it's a great story. Uh, back in the early '80s, around '83, I got into the radio business, 
and uh, met a young man who had a dream of actually working in NFL films one day. He was in the jewelry business. This was up here in Providence, Rhode Island. And at the time, jewelry, uh, import and export, costume jewelry was a big, uh, you know, commodity, commodity here in Rhode Island. It was a very big business for a lot of folks. But maybe he thought the end was near. I don't know. But it, it ended up, you know, not being as successful years later. But to make a long story short, he went to broadcasting school, and I was working at one of the local radio stations. His name is uh, Ace Casciotti. Just wrote a book, too, about his spending 20 years with NFL films, but I'll get back to that in a second. What happened was he became uh, an intern at our station, and he'd come in at midnight. Well, my shift was midnight, you know, a few nights a week, and I did Saturday mornings and so forth. But we really hit it off. We had some mutual friends, and uh, I taught him everything I know. And he told me that he was trying to get a job at NFL Films, and I said, oh, man, I would love to work there someday. He said, well, I'll see what I can do if I ever get my foot in the door, and I'll, I'll, I'll make sure I, you know, get back to it. And that was 1987. Well, 1994, I was actually living in Florida on my way back home. He uh, said, hey, can you stop here in New Jersey? I've got some work for you. I stopped in Mount Laurel, New Jersey, went in and did an audition tape for films on a video for uh, Phil Simms from the Giants, and uh, they heard my voice. They thought it was pretty cool, and next thing you know, a couple of years later, uh, I get a call to uh, do the Hall of Fame inductions for 1997's class of uh, Canton, Ohio, which included among other people, Wellington Mara and Don Shula, Mike Haynes, Mike Webster. And uh, from there, I did it for about four years in a row. And I did about 25 videos for NFL Films over that period of time. So uh, he stayed true to his word. I was a true friend. Mm. Uh, it worked, yeah, it worked out great. So, uh, And got a chance to meet so many wonderful uh, former players, uh, players that I grew up watching. And I know you guys grew up watching gentlemen, uh, people like uh, James, uh, Jim Brown and Gail Sayers and Big Butkus and Mike Ditka. Uh, Sonny mm-hmm. Jurgensen, uh, you know, Joe Theismann, so many great athletes I had a chance to meet. Um, and I grew up kind of a Vikings fan, too, and I had a chance to do Paul Krause's uh, induction video in 1998, along with Lawrence Taylor and Tommy McDonald and uh, Joe DeLamalure, I think, was that year as well. And what a thrill it was to uh, to meet some of those guys and uh, to hang out with them and uh, to obviously they knew that I did the voice for them, and they were pretty, you know, they were excited to meet me, and I was like, wait a minute, it's the other way around, I'm excited to meet you, you know, so it was yeah. a lot of fun. Yeah. Did you get a yeah. chance to meet Don Shula? Yes, yes, I did, actually. And did he, he bring up his uh, season with the Redskins? Uh, no, when he, did he play for the Redskins at one time? I think he was yeah, 1957. Yeah. Yep. I think it yeah. was his last year as a player. Right. Yeah. It right. Uh, uh, wasn't. It back. One of the better years in Redskin history. Yeah, he was. Uh, I guess he played for the Cleveland Browns too. I guess quite a bit. He's from Ohio, uh, right outside of uh, Canton, I think it was. And when he got inducted, boy, that was a big crowd there that day. And it was a great day. It was August of '97. Uh, his two sons, David and Michael, inducted him, and he was very appreciative. Obviously, you know, it was a no-brainer that he he get inducted with all the great, you know, championships and the great the record of having the most wins and all that as a head coach. And uh, just a real gentleman, and I got a chance to meet him. Actually, in 1998, I got a chance to meet him because when the players are getting inducted that year, it's really hard to get hold of them because they're being pulled in every direction by ESPN and the USA Network or whatever, CBS, Fox. Everyone's trying to interview them, and they're, they have nothing, you know, no time for themselves. But the following year, they're not even uh, a blip on the radar. Everyone's like, yeah, there's Don Shula. Look, he's having a coffee. It's like, man, nobody wants to talk to me because I got inducted last year. So. It's like, you know, you can talk, you can have lunch with them, you know, and have dinner with these guys, and it's just a great thrill. And, uh, in fact, in your neck of the woods, uh, not to be so long-winded, but Willie Lanier, uh, a great uh, player with Kansas City all those years, mm-hmm. uh, uh, under the radar. Talk about a guy who does work under the radar. 
he was getting corporate money from banks and finance companies and real estate uh, companies and going into uh, lower-income housing areas and knocking down these houses and building them right back up again with all new plumbing and, and electrical wires and, and new refrigerators and stoves and, and everything, windows and all that stuff. And, and the people would move right back in. You know, of course, they'd have to, you know, pay, you know, the rent or the you know, mortgage or whatever. But literally, with all corporate money and, and not much fanfare, he would go into these little towns and, and do all this in, in Virginia and West Virginia and areas like that. I guess he grew up in that area anyway. He went to Morgan State, uh, if that's uh, in that area. But uh, if I'm not Baltimore. mistaken. But anyway, yeah, 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 just a great, great guy. And like I said, to do all that without much fanfare, so many great players and, and athletes in the NFL did so much, you know, for charity, and it was so, uh, I don't say under the radar, that's never the one, they didn't do it for the publicity, basically, and those are the kind of guys you really have to respect, you know, um, didn't want his hand out, I mean, didn't want his name on a lot of things, only because he, he, he was just trying to be, you know, a good person and not trying to be, hey, look at me, look what I did, I'm so wonderful, you know, that type of thing, uh, really low ego, and uh, real treat meeting uh, someone like Willie Lanier, you know, so... Yeah, because charity is, is – go ahead. Oh, no, I'm saying it was just a thrill meeting people like that. And you yeah. learn things, you know, from people like that, and you, and you try to become a better person as well. You try to uh, emulate them in that respect too. Yeah, I mean, it's good that he has the, the, the true type of charity that, that's not boastful. So now, David, how did you get into comedy? Oh, man, I, I tell you, you know, it's a funny story. I was uh, – I happened to be an exchange student in Italy when I was uh, 14 in eighth grade, and uh, we had this Air Force uh, school on an Air Force base in Vincenza, Italy, and it was American personnel, and actually it was so 1974, so you had, you know, Vietnam War was still going on, and my brother was actually living there for six years with his wife and kids, so we put in a request to go there and be an exchange student, and I did. Well, toward the end of the school year, we were ha- they had this talent show, and the teacher says, you know, who who dances, who does, uh, you know, who sings or whatever. And I said, well, I tell jokes and doing some impressions. I said, I'd be glad to go on stage and do that, you know. And she said, okay. So I went up in, in front of Air Force personnel, Americans. I didn't have to speak Italian. And I did it in English. It was probably a seven or eight-minute set. And I made reference to television programs dubbed in Italian, American programs and John Wayne movies and things like that. And it got a pretty good laugh. And then when I came back to the United States, got into high school and everything, and kind of the class clown, and I was able to do some impressions and make people laugh. And after that, uh, it just started to, uh, you know, comedy clubs were coming into their own in the early 80s, and uh, then I just started doing it, and I've been doing it ever since for like 30 years, and I've had great uh, fun traveling the country, working with so many great comics over the years. Uh, it's just been a blast. So, uh, very lucky. Had a great run. Well, how old were you when you uh, had that comedy opportunity? Uh, well, it- yeah, in Italy I was 14, and like I said, when I was about 20 or 21, I came here and started, you know, came back. I was living in Rhode Island anyway uh, from the age of well, 14 when I came back. But like I said, going through high school and watching all those great shows, the Johnny Carson show, Ed Sullivan show, and you see all those great comics, and you you can almost feel that their timing is, is uh, impeccable. Some of those great Jan Murray and Alan King and the Rodney Dangerfield and so many great comics. And I, you know, I said, gee, I, I, w- I want to know if I could do that. I wonder if I can do that someday. And it's funny because this weekend here in Rhode Island, we have America's Got Talent auditions, and I'm going to be uh, there auditioning at 11 a.m. on Saturday morning for America's Got Talent as a comedian. So we'll see what happens. I'll, I'll keep you posted. <laughs> All right. <laughs> yeah. So, but it's been a great run. Uh, yeah. Well, good luck with that. So now, David, um, 
What are some of your your favorite actors turned athletes? Uh, well, Jim Brown, of course. Uh, he's uh, when it, he when he did the Dirty Dozen, you, know, you almost forgot that he was an athlete. He almost seemed like this guy came out of the Juilliard acting school or something, or you know, the actor's studio. I thought he was terrific in that movie. And uh, then he went on, you know, obviously to make some other movies as well. But you know, it, it, his career never really blossomed as much as maybe you thought it would as an actor, but. He's such a, an icon, an American uh, classic uh, uh, individual, not just an athlete or an actor. He's, uh, he's as important to American society as even someone like Martin Luther King or you know, even someone like uh, you know, the, the memories of John Kennedy and people who made a, a mark in this country as, um, you know, as individuals, as people who stepped up. And his American uh, Foundation has done wonders. And I worked with him actually in San Diego at an event. I performed comedy for him. At a fundraiser, we did a golf tournament uh, one year with NFL Films, and we helped him raise money for his uh, foundation called American. And he's done so much with even the gang wars out in L.A., uh, again, without much fanfare or publicity. And uh, he's just a, uh, just a wonderful human being. And I had a chance to meet with him and take him with him and autographs. And just, well, you know, you can't even imagine meeting someone like him, how, how terrific uh, it is, you know, meeting someone who's just an American icon, uh, like Jim's, you know, Jim Brown. Uh, Try to think about, you know, uh, Bernie Casey. You know, when he was in uh, uh, Brian's song, was quite an athlete with the uh, the Bears, defensive back, and so forth. And he, uh, he he is a good actor. He's in quite a few good movies too, over the years. Uh, and I'm just trying to think of how many other great athletes there have been that have turned actors. I'm trying to think off the top of my head. Uh, not that I can't think, even think of that many, but those two guys stand yeah. out most of all. You know. Uh, yeah, I, I was I, I was saying, well, Bubba Smith, uh, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he was in right. there, but <laughs> that's right. Well, that's right. Another he great came guy. to mind because of the yeah, yeah. roles were so opposite <laughs> of what you expected him. Right. From right. the football field and from college, when he mm-hmm. played some of those uh, cop characters, he yep. was just so hilarious and almost feminine. And you would expect an all-American defensive lineman to be anything but. And the way right. the direction just took his image and totally yeah. reversed it, but kept oh, it yeah. in this giant body, I thought that was <laughs> hilarious. Yeah, Police Academy movies were hysterical. Really, really funny. Very funny movies, that's for sure. But, yeah, mm-hmm. another great, uh, great great athlete in Michigan State. When he played in Michigan State, more a terrific, uh, terrific athlete. And with the Colts. Uh, playing in the Super Bowl, I think it was number three against the Jets in uh, 1969. And that game, boy, they were 22-point favorites, I think it was, and, and lost 16-7. to <clears throat> Excuse me. And I've, I've met with Tom Matty. I've had Tom Matty. I've had a radio show in the past where I've had Tom Matty on my show. And Tom Matty was actually the first running back to rush for 100 yards in the Super Bowl, and yet in a losing cause against the Jets because of Joe Namath's, uh, you know, great play. But even Namath, I think he only threw maybe 20 passes in that game or maybe even less or he might have been 14 out of 22 or something like that. It wasn't because of him. Matt Snell played a great game. George Sauer, Don Maynard, uh, that that was a great Super Bowl and, and changed uh, the NFL forever. You know, so absolutely, but, uh, absolutely. Yeah. Well, when I think of Joe Namath, I think he's a guy who was too dumb to get into the University of Maryland, and I think that was oh. pride for some reason. <laughs> <laughs> I, 
I know he used to throw a lot of picks. I, I remember we're looking at the stats one time when he was down at Alabama. It's like, God, he had a lot of interceptions back there. It was, it was crazy. Okay, so I see that. I, I believe my man Tico has joined us uh, on the board there. So hold on, Tico. Uh, we're still working on David, so just, just hang on. Um, I have a question now. Now, David, you may disagree, but um, how did the NFL turn into basketball on grass? It, it used to be if you were down 21 to nothing, like say, for, for instance, in the playoffs, that was like a death sentence. You know, because it was a game of time and possession, but it's not anymore. I mean, what what happened? Well, I think it's this combination of things. I think you've got some great quarterback play. I mean, games you're speaking of probably guys like uh, Peyton Manning or Tom Brady are the types of guys that bring the teams back. And, uh, of course, the kid uh, Luck in uh, Indianapolis, these guys yeah. just don't quit. You know, they just don't quit. They, they're, they're like, hey, okay, we're only down by 21 guys. You know, back in the day, most teams only had a running game. They didn't have these big, huge wide receivers like they do now. I mean, even Charlie Taylor, who's a, a tremendous uh, individual who played for the Redskins. I mean, I, I've met Charlie, and he, he's just maybe what is he six feet, six one, maybe six three, where he and was he, back in the day. Feet, yeah, all I'm saying, but yeah, so it just you know, even back then, or even a guy like Harold Carmichael when he played with the Eagles. I mean, that was one of the reasons why they went to the 1980 Super Bowl is because of players like him and Wilbur Montgomery was the running game. You need a combination of both. If you don't have a running game to complement the passing, or vice versa. You know, look at these two teams, like I said, getting into Sunday's game. Both teams have uh, terrific running games, and they have terrific quarterbacks, you know, and they have terrific wide receivers, and both teams have really good defensive backs who are going to try to stop each other's passing game, so it may come down to a running game. Again, with the weather, we don't know what it's going to be like. But, uh, but yeah, like you said, when they're down 21 years ago, it was you just mailed it in. Okay, we're down 21, we're going to lose. That's it. See you later. But uh, you know, nowadays, yeah. <laughs> Nowadays, they just sling it and fling it, you know, and, and uh, Tom Brady is especially. We get to see him up here all the time. We take him for granted. I hope he does play until he's 50. He wants to play until he's 50, but uh, I don't know. But, uh, man, yeah. he's just he's something else. He's something else, that Tom Brady. He's really something special. Well, some of the experts say that uh, Sunday's game may come down to possession. They note that uh, while Seattle's noted for getting their offense off quickly, Denver's actually – had more offensive plays in Seattle, and they're thinking that if the Seattle defense isn't ready for that, uh, they could tire later in the game, and that could be a big advantage for Denver. Yeah, I know, of course, in the race. Well, don't forget, this is going to be Peyton Manning's third Super Bowl and Russell Wilson's first, and that in itself sometimes leads to, you know, a little bit of an experience on Russell Wilson's part. He may throw a pick late in the game. Champ Bailey's playing in his first Super Bowl, a guy you're familiar with in the Washington area, plays for the Redskins quite a while. I don't think Champ Bailey's going to be denied. I like Denver. And, uh, you know, you kind of almost say, well, maybe Seattle could pull this off. I think it's going to come out. The game will be decided, I think, in the first half. If it's 21-6 to or 21-7 to halftime Denver, I think Denver's going to be able to hang on, although Seattle can come back. But they're the type of team that does come back. But I don't know. I think if Denver can get out to an early lead, they might be able to say, you know, let's win this for Peyton. And it could well be his last game. We don't know. He doesn't even know because he said that in March he's going to go to the doctors for a physical. And he said if the doctor says, I don't think you should play anymore, he'll quit. He'll retire. But if the doctor says, I think your neck is okay, you should you can play another couple of years, then he will. He's going to put it in the doctor's hands. He said that in an interview the other day, I guess, on ESPN. So, But we'll see. It, it should be quite a game. 
I'm going to throw this question out here. I'm going to throw this question, and uh, then we'll we'll bring in Tico. He'll join us. Um, Why do you think some teams choke in the Super Bowl? Well, that's a good question. I grew up a Vikings fan, and we we choked four times. So (laughs) I'm an expert. I'm I'm an expert. I was going to say, Fran Tarkington's experience never helped him. No, I know it. I know it. But Joe Cap was the first quarterback that took them to the Super Bowl against Kansas City. But don't forget, now Kansas City lost Super Bowl number one. Then when they went back to four, number Super Bowl four, they won. They had the experience from being a Super Bowl one. And it, it, back then, within that whole ten period, the ten year period from sixty seven to seventy seven or seventy eight, when Dallas played Pittsburgh, uh, you know, a couple of times back to back, those teams. It seemed like the team that lost the Super Bowl the year before came back and won against a team that had never been there before. Miami did it. I think the Redskins even probably Baltimore might have done it. did it. Baltimore did it exactly against Dallas. So that experience, you know, it does pay off. And I think there's not one player on Seattle that's ever been in a Super Bowl before. And uh, Denver has probably ten, maybe eight or nine guys I think that might have been in a Super Bowl at one time or another, or maybe less. But you've got two of the prominent players, Wes Welker, who's been in two Patriots, although he lost both of them to the Giants, and now and uh, Peyton Manning, who's won won one and lost one. So that experience is going to definitely show through, and I think it may come down to where it does show through, maybe in the last few minutes of the game, trying to protect the lead or maybe trying to come back in the last two minutes. They're not going to rush. They're not going to hurry. They probably won't make a mistake, uh, Denver, you know, and where Seattle just might because of Russell Wilson's uh, inexperience. I think he's 24. Peyton's 37. It's the largest age disparity, uh, if I'm saying the word correctly, uh, between the quarterbacks uh, starting a Super Bowl. Uh, one being the older and, and the younger. So uh, that's that's interesting. I think that's interesting because of the uh, experience that Peyton Manning uh, brings to the show. Mm. Mm, I have my thoughts you, about that. Like? I'll, I'll you, share those. At the end, we're going we're oh, to okay. ask everybody yeah, predictions okay. and why, and I'll, I'll hold that off for the end here. So it looks like okay. this is Tico Wells that is called in, so let me bring him on in. Hollywood actor, Tico Wells. Hey, hello, Tico. Hey, man, how you doing? Man, I'm good. I'm fantastic. Can you hear me Hello okay? to Andy and David. Andy and David, yeah. hey. Hi. Hi, Tico. Hi, buddy, how are you? How you doing? Fine. I'm doing All right. great. I'm doing great. Wonderful. Other than yeah, the chemtrails out here, you're I'm on... doing great. Yeah, you out in sunny California. We're, we're over here freezing the butts off. No, no, we got chemtrail action happening out here. It's, it's been cloudy. Oh, say it ain't so. Oh, that's tough. <laughs> yeah, no, y'all, no, y'all, no, y'all, nice. we, we won't talk about the chemtrails. We'll, we'll talk about that on another show. Yeah. You know what chemtrails are? <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah I, know. I know. I heard all about them. I used to be okay. the editor of the Spotlight. I know all about them. Yeah, they're killing mm. us out here with that, man. But anyway... How y'all doing? Fantastic, man. Fantastic. So the last time you were lamenting about the the Redskins, man. So what, what's going on with the Redskins? Are they cursed? Is it the name? Is it the the owner? What in the world is going on, man? You know, I did think about that. You know, um, I, I I don't know, man. I mean, just everybody thought they had the answer to why the Redskins were so bad this year. You know, it was RG3 coming back too soon. It was the defense. It was the secondary. It was the offensive line. It was it was the receivers. Not You know, it, it was the specialty teams. It was, you know, it just wasn't one thing. It was Shanahan. It was it was Kyle Shanahan. It was, you know, I, the whole, it just nothing worked. Nothing worked mm. consistently. It was just, it was sad. 
it was really sad. I mean, RG3 couldn't hit the receivers consistently, and he was so accurate last year, remember? Yeah. He was really accurate last year. But um, it happens. You know, football is a hard game. I mean, what, what the Patriots have done is, is so impressive. You know, they're not in the Super Bowl, but they were that close to being in another Super Bowl. I mean, they have just been consistent. And uh, what Peyton Manning does is, is amazing. Uh, his consistency is crazy. Um, but I think it's going to be an interesting game. I'm looking forward to it. Um, I think we had the, the championship game was the young, the young whippersnappers in the, on, on the NFC side and the, the AFC side is the battle of the, you know, the two Hall of Famers. So uh-huh. no matter what, we had the four best teams um, from this season, and I think it was I think it was excellent. Richard Sherman oh, yeah. is a nut, and and <laughs> he's a bad boy. <laughs> What's your take on that controversy? Uh, you know, it, it sells tickets. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say if I could just put my two cents worth, and I I would love to have a Richard Sherman on my team. That's all I'm saying. He is a Deion Sanders in the making. Uh, he might, if he stays as consistent as he's been, uh, he's going to have a Hall of Fame career. There's no doubt about that. Uh, you want a guy who's uh, obviously smart. He knows how to get under the other team's skin. Uh, you know, I don't know if you guys heard it from NFL Films, but uh, all he did say to Michael Crabtree after the game was, hell of a game, hell of a game, and he put his hand out and uh, said, you know, say what you want. Um, he's a gentleman, and uh, I, I don't think Richard Sherman was at fault for anything, even his rant afterwards uh, with the report there. And, uh, and he, he told it like it is. If he feels he's the best, I want a guy on my team that thinks he's the best, you know. The, well, I, I think I think the little butt pat was was, was what probably got him, yeah, you know. Yeah. Um, you know, there's a funny thing about it. The last two, um, you know, big he got – when he played the Redskins last year, remember Trent Williams popped him in the face. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he can get under people's skin. I don't think Trent, Trent should have done that. You know, he lost his cool. But right. um, uh, he's an irritant. Yeah. He's yeah. a professional well, irritant. Kid, <laughs> with the kid from uh, Houston, uh, Johnson, Andre Johnson, with the guy from the Arizona Cardinals, I think it was, a couple of years ago. They were just oh, going yeah, at it. It was like a heavyweight, heavyweight fight. Yeah, it was like a heavyweight fight. Oh, I know. I know. Well, here in Richard Washington. Sherman, Richard Sherman is, you know, they, they, they st- are still talking about Darrell Revis, but Darrell Revis has been hurt, and he has not been up to form, what, in two years? Has yeah. It been two seasons? Yeah, he, he fell off. He fell off. Yeah, and everybody's still talking about him as being the best when Richard Sherman, this is his third season, and he's got like, how many, six, what, how many picks does he have? It's crazy. He's got, you know, I forgot how many picks Sherman has already in his third season. Oh, in his career, and I think he's probably about 18 or maybe 20. I think he has more than that, maybe in 20 or 25. Yeah, he's amazing. He's amazing. It's crazy. It's but, crazy. Hey, not to change the subject, but have you guys ever been, anybody ever been to Canton, Ohio? It's inside the uh, shrine. I have. I have. Yeah, I have. Right. Yes. Well, they've had, they have all the Super Bowl rings uh, laid out yeah. from, you know, beginning to end. Well, what they have, I just picked it up on the NFL Network, on the NFL.com. They have a link where you can look at all the rings. They're about six inches wide. They're just so huge. You can click on it and see every Super Bowl championship ring from beginning to end. It is just impressive. It's very impressive. And that's what a lot of players play for. You remember when Joe Theismann was mic'd up 
and he said, uh, I forget which Super Bowl it was, but he was, uh, uh, yeah, it might have been the Super Bowl, before the Super Bowl. He goes, they gave us a lot of money and a big freaking ring, you know, something like that. That's really what they play for. They play, yeah, yeah, they, yeah, yeah. They can yeah, never take it yeah. away from you, you know. <laughs> well, you yeah. have to remember, back yeah. in the day. We're playing for, for $20,000. Right. <laughs> Seven thousand dollars or ten thousand dollars, something like that. Yeah, it's <laughs> and, compared to and what a, they make and now. And a big yeah. freaking ring. Right. And remember that. Back in uh, the day, pro think, football was think, a part-time job. Uh, right. Exactly. Yeah. They yeah. didn't make any money. You know, they didn't make any money. So they yeah, had they to get to the playoffs. They had to win the Super Bowl to get some money. Yeah. Right. In mm. fact, uh, friends you know of mine tonight are actually about, in. Uh, um, if you think about uh, uh, Joe Theismann's injury, uh-huh. it's similar oh, to RG3. It's just that the technology has changed so much. Joe Theismann still had some gas in the tank. It was just that, you know, um, you know, the technology wasn't there. Like no. it is yeah. now in terms Theismann terms had of a broken leg. Yeah, uh, it wasn't, yeah, it wasn't a knee. It wasn't really a knee injury. It was more of a, of a compound fracture of the, of the uh, lower leg or the, uh, with the shin bone there. But, yeah, I mean, yeah, uh, I don't know. I, I don't know why he, he never attempted to come back. I guess they said that if you break. Oh, that's right. It was his lower leg. You're right. Yeah. 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 Oh, it's Taylor yeah. Landon like on Monday Night Football. Oh man. Yeah, but you know, um, I think at the time it was just okay. You won the Super Bowl already. Give it up. But I believe he could have come back. Right. You know, he was such an athlete. Right. People forget. You know, his, his career got cut short. Yeah, it, it really did. did. But he Richard Sherman Canada, has 20, 20 interceptions. Oh wow! Yeah. Mm. There you go. In well, if you go back seasons. to uh, movie references for a second and remember the blind side, oh, yeah. and they had that opening scene where uh, they show Theisman getting hit. Yes. Yep. If you look real closely, you'll notice that it's not the offensive tackle who's trying to make the block. It's Donnie Warren, the tight end over there. Oh, the tight end, yeah. Yep. Mm. I picked up on that as soon as I saw the film. That's a great movie. That is a great movie. And... Uh... Michael Orr has a really a lot to be proud of. You know, I know he signed a big contract. Uh, I would say a couple of years ago, maybe like five, six years for thirty, forty, fifty million. And uh, boy, what a story that is! That's just a, oh uh, yeah, yeah. It's a heartwarming story, and uh, God bless him that uh, players like that. You know, the the opportunity that family gave him uh, doesn't come along very often, and he didn't, uh, you know, he didn't uh, waste the opportunity for lack of a better word. And uh, it's a great story, no question about it. What's the name was taken in? Uh, um, oh my God! Uh, former safety for um, for the Baltimore Ravens, number twenty, Ed Reed. Oh, uh, he was taken yeah, in Reed. by family too. Ed Reed, in. yeah, Ed Reed, yeah. Yeah, he fell was off. Was he taken in by a family? <laughs> what about him? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, is, is he? I think he's a free he agent. In, 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 yeah, he was taken in by a a, 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 a family. Oh, was he really when he was younger? I didn't know that. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, when he was in college. Oh wow! Um, but yeah, going back to Richard Sherman, uh, I mean, he's got eight interceptions this year and last season. Wow! Now I, I don't, I don't number. remember anybody doing that. I mean, has anyone done that before? They, they don't throw to him, and he still picks the ball up. Nobody wants to throw to him because he's deadly, and uh, he's like Revis, you know, Revis Island. It's like don't, don't throw to him, and he still ends up with all these interceptions. Amazing. Well, yeah, back they, in the yeah. day, these, go ahead. Kenny Houston, people mm. he, he used to get picks left and right, 
Yep. And that's because he was playing safety, of course, in the old AFL. Right. But, you know, he had the freedom to go for the ball. But if you remember Emmett Thomas, he was a quarterback. And for a couple of years with the Chiefs, he uh, had, I think, eight and ten picks or eight and eight picks. And that's because people were throwing at him. And that's because they thought they could beat him. And a lot of times when these guys are getting a lot of interceptions, it's because teams are targeting them. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know what's happening with with Sherman because, uh, you know, I mean, that defense is 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 just nasty. I mean, they, that defense is just nasty. Legion of, of Boom. <laughs> yeah, right. That's a great name. That's what That's they call him. Yeah. Yep. So, David, you think Richard would be uh, Richard Sherman would be a good actor? Yeah, he probably would be. He probably would be. He's very bright. Obviously, he graduated of Stanford. He did graduate from Stanford. He didn't. Uh, he didn't just loaf through, you know. Some of the, some of the I, 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 I cringe when I hear stories about some of the oh, Dexter Manley, perfect example when he played for the Redskins. How, uh, yeah. they, you know, he was illiterate, and it's just it's a tragedy. We can't have that, you know. We can't have it. We can't have it anymore. Uh, I, I haven't, you know, there aren't too many stories probably like Dexter Manley, but that in itself really woke up uh, the community of these colleges and high schools who just push these kids along sometimes because of the athletic, you know, ability they have. And uh, thank goodness, I think we put a stop to that for the most part. And but obviously, going to a school like Stanford uh, and playing for Jim Harbaugh of all people, he played for Harbaugh, you know, uh, at Stanford, and then he gets to stick it to him last week. So I think he's pretty happy about that. (laughs) Well, I hate to disagree with you, but if we look at the uh, men's basketball programs, where you have players coming in for one year and then going to the NBA. Yeah, that's the exact that's same right. thing. That's tragic. That, that is tragic because they don't get a chance to get the education, and uh, you know the one and done. It's, it's that should be their bumper stickers, and it's unfortunate, you know. Uh, and the NBA, I love the NBA. Oh, you can't come out until you play at least one year in college. Well, thanks a lot. Thanks a lot. Okay, one year. How about two or maybe three? Or how about when they graduate? Mm-hmm. Well, the NFL, you can't even play in the NFL until your uh, freshman class of college is is a graduate is in the graduate year. Uh, they won't let kids come in at 20 or 19 or, um, you know, maybe 21, I guess they can. But in some cases, I think it's 99% of the time, you can't just come from uh, your freshman year in football and college football into the NFL. They just uh, they don't allow it. You know, well, your body wouldn't better. allow it. They right. kill you. They kill you, yeah. Even in baseball, you don't see guys coming out of high school going to the majors like you used to. Right. Yeah. It's mostly pitchers, but yeah, then they gas, you know, their arm gets gassed out. And, uh, you know, um, that's, yeah. so again, you, you're, you're the epicenter for all this with uh, Strasburg, you know, uh, playing yep. with the uh, Nationals, you know. Uh, that, that, you know, let's, let's keep him out of the playoffs. Let's not pitch him every day. And yet he still had elbow problems. So what do you do? Yep. I mean, and, how, you, know, you can't win. <laughs> he had an appointment with Tommy John. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah, so, uh, David, the NFL Network had a, had a countdown that said that Doug Williams' performance in Super Bowl Twenty Two was the greatest of all time. Do you agree with that? I do agree with that. And it was in San Diego, of all places, my favorite home away from home. And the reason it was so uh, dramatic is because of the knee, serious knee injury he suffered early in the game. Uh, but not only that, the pressure of – I love when someone said, how long have you been a black quarterback? That was a great question to ask. Uh, but, you know, <laughs> well, I used to be white, but now I'm black. You know, one of those things. And it's like, uh, you know, he just, he, the pressure didn't get to him. 
Uh, that was a great game. I remember watching that game on TV and, and rooting for the Redskins. And uh, what a great, uh, a great game that was. And I think I, I actually rooted for the Redskins every time they were in the Super Bowl because I am an NFC fan because of my allegiance to the Vikings. Uh, but uh, that game was, was special. And Denver just couldn't do anything against, uh, against him that day. And uh, I agree. I think that was one of the greatest performances. And probably Joe Namitz might come up second or third, probably because yeah. of the impact that it had on the NFL. And uh, then Joe, I think even Phil Simms playing against Denver again, 21 or 22 out of 27. Uh, amazing, mm. uh, you know, in that game there, uh, winning his first Super Bowl. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, quarterbacks, if you don't have a good quarterback, you're not even going to get to the Super Bowl. And, and some of these teams draft some of these kids that they just have no chance to be an NFL quarterback. And the Brady Six is such a great story. The six guys that were drafted before Tom Brady, not one of them, I don't think ever, none of them ever even won a playoff game. I think maybe um, the kid from, uh, oh, that played for the Jets, I can't think of his name now, he was in the first round, from uh, Marshall University, blonde a kid, what was his name? He, uh, uh, he played in the playoff game. Yeah, I can see his face, I just can't think of his name. But yeah, the blonde guy. Chad. Chad. Well, yeah, Chad. Pennington, uh, Chad Pennington. Pennington. Chad Pennington threw to Randy Moss. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, come on. You know, you throw to Randy Moss and Moss, well, you're going to be in the first round as a quarterback, let's face it. And uh, he just his career uh, was cut short by injury as well. But, you know, Tom Brady's uh, career is, is going to be legendary when he's done, when it's all said and done. So, no question. Amazing. Hey, guys, here's, yeah. a, here's a little statistic. Okay. okay. Uh, we talk about Revis Island and we talk about Richard Sherman. Okay, so... Richard Sherman has 20 overall interceptions in a three-year career. Revis has 21 interceptions, which is he's got him by one, but that's in a one, two, three, four, five, six, seven-year career. So, so uh, Sherman is in terms of interceptions has done what Revis has done in half the time, less than half the time. Wow. Uh, and uh, he had eight interceptions this year with 125 yards return, uh, return yardage on that, and as long as it was 58 yards for a touchdown. Revis had two interceptions this year and for three yards, hmm. as long as it was three yards, no TDs. Um, Revis had uh, 11 passes deflected, and Sherman had 16. Wow. So clearly this year, and, and both of them played all 16 games, so clearly Sherman uh, took the number one spot as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. Amazing. Well, you can't forget tackles and missed tackles for defensive backs. Those mm-hmm. are much, as we know in Washington, uh, <laughs> those are much bigger statistic. Yeah, that's right. Well, and that's what really well, counts at that position. For cornerback, because a lot of times a cornerback is taken out and away from the play, especially on running plays or when you have a shutdown corner, which there are very few. Uh, they don't always go to those guys. So you're out of the play a lot of times. Sherman still had 38 solo tackles, 48 total with 10 assists. Uh, you know, and Revis had uh, 50 total tackles, um, 43 and 7 assists. So these guys are still making tackles as well. You know, uh, if, if you watch any of, of the Seahawks games, 
Sherman, one of the things the Seahawks pride themselves on is rushing to the ball. It's oh, yeah. That the Redskins don't, don't quite uh, get. The Redskins, man, I don't know. What, you know, I, uh, D. Hall had one of his better years this year. I will say that. D. Hall had one of his better years. And over, but overall, man, it was just it was sad to watch. I don't know, man. It was just sad. <laughs> but um, brighter days are coming for the Redskins. Yeah, brighter days are coming. I'm surprised they kept the defensive coach. I that tells me a whole lot. Yeah, they didn't blame him for anything. Don't <laughs> expect any changes. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you got to look hey, at management. You... <laughs> it's funny, I've been looking look at, at these uh, Super Bowl rings the whole time, right? And uh, you go back to 1969, Kansas City Chiefs, it looks like a high school ring. Then you go up further up to, like, Seattle, what is it, the New Orleans or the Patriots, their rings look like condominiums. It's amazing. Yeah. It's like 400 diamonds like and all this other stuff. Yeah, exactly. And the Kansas City Chiefs is a beautiful ring. It looks, like I said, it looks like a college ring. So, you know, these other rings look like, uh, you know, you need three people to wear it at once. Yeah, but back in later yeah. in the day, you know, the guys oh, yeah. have been working on weights all these years, and they can lift those rings. <laughs> That's right. You know, early exactly. in the early days, guys probably couldn't lift the rings. <laughs> I don't want them That's to great. get hurt or anything. No, you're right. your back out lifting the things today. That's great. Yeah, those rings today but, look like brass knuckles practically. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. So, I'm going to throw this out here to you, uh, Tico. So what do you think was the, some of the greater performances in the Super Bowl? Uh, definitely definitely Timmy Smith and Doug Williams. Um, I mean, one of the best, one of the best. Um, I mean, Timmy Smith, that, his, 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 playoff, his, his Super Bowl game, probably one of the best any running back ever. And then we never heard of him again, but. For that one day, he was the best. Timmy well, that's Smith. That's true. That's true. I think Gary you're right. You know, and it's funny. You know, the game in Miami when the Cisco 49ers came back on the Bengals and won uh, what it was twenty to seventeen or whatever it was like that in the last minute play. Uh, uh, coach, uh, oh God, I'm thinking of his name. Uh, the coach of uh, uh, for the he played in, he played in, uh, as a backup quarterback. Sam White, is for the Redskins. Yeah. Uh-huh. He's their head coach. Yeah. He said, "I knew I lost. I knew we were going to lose the game coming down the elevator for the pregame meal, pre-breakfast, when his running back fainted in the elevator because he had been up all night drinking and doing cocaine. I forget the guy's name. And I, 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 oh, Richard Brooks, I think it was. No, I, I know. I think Brooks might have played in that game. It was his fullback or someone, but someone he had, oh. you know, been oh, standing next would. to. Icky Woods. Uh, I'm not sure if it was Icky Woods, but uh, regardless of who it was, but he said yeah, I knew yeah. we were going to lose the game. With, you know, coming down for breakfast, my my fullback, you know, faints in the elevator because he's been up all night drinking, and you know, not so much for the cocaine. But I'm just saying he just didn't. He was out partying, basically, is what I'm getting at. And he goes, Dad, yeah. I, mean, I don't even have my fullback for the game, and they ended up losing. You know, in the last second play to Joe Montana, that was a great game. But uh, again, not to step on anyone's thunder, but. Uh, I think Marcus Allen with the Raiders against the Redskins, that, that great play that he ran for on that, uh, I think it was 78 yards, or 84, 83 yards on that backwards yeah, that, play. He had to come around the other side. That was just a great play, and he's a true Hall of Famer. That was a great Marcus run. Allen. Yeah. That was he's a great run. When they were the L.A. Raiders. Right. That was a, they the were, the, were the they L.A. Were Raiders LA. that year. Yep, that's right. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. you know, um, I had a chance. I, don't I can't believe it's been 30 years. 
I know. It's amazing. Isn't that amazing? I had a chance to meet Marcus yeah. Allen the year he got inducted. And what a gentleman. Wow. He's not only a Hall of Fame player, but definitely a Hall of Fame person. And Gail Sayers, too, the same thing. Uh, these gentlemen were just uh, so nice to me. I'm just a nobody from nowhere. And these guys were treating me like I was somebody. And I was just so impressed uh, with, their, with the humility that they carry with themselves and the dignity that they carry. And it's a real treat to meet people like that as you go through life. And uh, you learn from people like that. You learn a little bit uh, about yourself, too. You know, when you meet guys like that. So it's a, it's a great trip. So, anyway. yeah. Yeah. It was right, amazing you that make... you mentioned Charlie, Charlie Taylor. He, he was, he's my all-time favorite oh, football what a, player. What a gentleman. What a gentleman. Uh, he signed cards for us for raffles and things. He's just a, just a great guy. But, uh, I was uh, – my stepfather and I were at the uh, – the uh, what was it, 72 – 72 season uh, championship game against the Cowboys mm-hmm. at, the, at at RFK Stadium and it was freezing and I had my little fake fur coat on and it was great <laughs> man. Billy Kilmer hauled off a ball to Charlie Taylor. That's the best ball Billy Kilmer ever threw in his life. And he, <laughs> Charlie Taylor went down the sidelines and man, I was just, you know, I was like 11 years old and and yeah. it just made my day. Charlie Taylor gave me so much so much uh, inspiration. Well, during uh, that generation, I tell you quickly, two of the greatest wide receivers to ever play in that generation was Charlie Taylor and Paul Warfield. And then no question about it, I yeah. my grave. Those two yeah. guys lit up the 70s, two of the greatest receivers, and they're both inducted in Canton, and rightfully so. And, uh, boy, you could never miss with those two guys. Oh, yeah. yeah. Now, were you guys oh, yeah. at the Daryl Green induction in Canton? Uh, yeah, I wasn't personally, but I did watch it on TV. It well deserved as well. Uh, just a great guy too. But uh, yeah, I didn't get a chance to see it live. Okay, because both of you mentioned you were in Canton, um, and yeah, and yeah. Uh, that's the one that I I went to. The Redskins actually played uh, that game against the Colts, um, okay. and uh, Art Monk and 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 Daryl Green. That was a great great day. For yeah, Redskins fans. 20, 20 years earlier, but I don't know what that was all about. But uh, he's well deserved to be in Canton, Ohio. Should have been in, like I said, a long time ago. But they finally opened the doors for him. Uh, but I was actually there the year that the game, the, the Hall of Fame game, was actually interrupted by lightning. And I'll tell you, the rain that came down, it was Green Bay against Kansas City. I think it was 03. It was the year that Marino got inducted. Or somebody, I forget who got inducted that year. But the rain came down. So hard, it, it hurt. You were running to the car, and the, when the rain hit you, it, it, it was like someone punching you. Like, oh, my wow. God. And lightning, oh, lightning came out of nowhere. Yep, that was yeah. the only game they ever interrupted. Yeah, in the halftime, they said, the game has been postponed. And see you later. Everyone go to, your, go to your car and hope you get there alive. It was brutal. <laughs> I never saw anything like that. Yeah, that was a great memory. But I can tell you one quick thing. Great, Gail Sayers, when I went to start at first going to Canton, Ohio, I wanted to meet Gail Sayers so badly. And he would walk into the room, and the people would, would get out of the way, like partying in the Red Sea. And I yeah. said to somebody, I said, I go, is that, is that Gail Sayers? They go, oh, yeah, no, don't bother Gail Sayers. I'm like, why? Oh, he's like royalty. Don't bother him. I go, okay. So a couple of years go by, and you see Gail standing there. And one day I went up to him, and I just said, uh, hi, Mr. Sayers? He goes, yeah, call me Gail. I said, hi, Gail. And we started talking about Brian's song. We talked for like 20 minutes. I asked him what he's been up to. And I got a picture taken with him, and he signed an autograph for me. And I'll tell you, just a gentleman. What? Just a nice guy. And just he made you feel, like I said, he made you feel like he was there to meet me. And uh, 
And you, yeah. you can't you can't put you can't put a price on that. You can't. It's just a memory that'll stay with me forever. And uh, and I was thinking to myself, why 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 wouldn't people talk to this guy? They they were afraid that he almost talked to him like he was like, going about a gale. It's like he couldn't wait to be you know interrupted or talked to somebody. <laughs> he was like, I'm standing there by myself. No one's talking to me. <laughs> so it was just a well, great some, time. Some players have a lot of charisma. You know, Gail says had sort of a shy, right. uh, reserved demeanor. You know, um, I think Art Monk had the same thing. Just just a nice right. guy, but not not the most outspoken guy like a Daryl Green or right. you know somebody like that. So um, I think you know they didn't they wouldn't be the guys to get all the commercials and stuff like that because right. the personalities. You know, you take Eli versus Peyton. Right. You know, right. If yeah. you say if you were a sponsor, who would you who would you take over those two? That's right. Probably take Peyton right. because he's he's Pace, just right. more gregarious, more right. out, outgoing. Yeah. Yeah. Deacon Jones was like Wait. that. He would he would hold court in Canton Highway at one of the restaurants. He would just stand up and start talking. And uh, Henry Lawrence was like that too from the old Raiders uh, offensive tackle. He would just stand up and okay. start telling stories, and everyone would be listening. You know, it's riveting. Those guys are great storytellers. And, uh, oh yeah. Deacon Jones. Yeah. Yeah. Well, here's some trivia. The Minnesota Vikings under Fran Tarkington never scored more than 14 points in the Super Bowl. Yeah. Well, the Minnesota Vikings never scored more than 14 points in the Super Bowl, period. First game was seven points. Second game was seven points. Third game was six points. And the last game was 14 32 against the Oakland Raiders. 14, yeah, 32 to 14 against the Raiders. I cried no tears. I was just a kid. I cried real tears at the end of every one of those games, you know. So. Oh man, uh, they had some teams though. Well, if I remember teams. correctly, that yeah. was all biorhythms too. Yeah. I mean, right. they did the science behind that, and that was all biorhythms, birthdays okay. and stuff like that. <laughs> okay. Because what happened to the purple people eaters? You think about it. They gave up 32 points to the Raiders. Yeah. 24 to it. the Dolphins. 16. Well, you know, 23 to Kansas uh, City. Yeah, well, they exploded. I'll tell you what happened to them. I'll yeah. tell you what happened to them. That last game against the Raiders, they, the Raiders had uh, almost like the original Hogs. What was it? Uh, Gene yeah. Upshaw and uh, Art Shell. Oh, yeah, Henry Lawrence. Side. Yep. Yep. They, just knocked, they obliterated those guys. They just they sure. knocked those guys off the ball. Yep. Oh, Jim yeah, Otto. Building. And Jim Otto, yeah, those guys. Uh, Bueller, I think it was uh, Dave Bueller or something like that. But. Uh, yeah, some of those big guys, boy, you couldn't move those guys off the line. And when you can't get the stabler, he's going to have all day to pick you apart, you know. Yeah. You know, but, uh, I, I love another Stabler. underrated I thought Stabler was cool. I really love Yeah, Stabler. underrated. Yeah, he he falls under the radar. Definitely underrated uh, Stabler as a winner, you know, a champion uh, play, <clears throat> player, no doubt about it. Yeah. i got to tell you a quick story. I'm in Canton, Ohio one year. I'm working with films, and uh, – they knew I was a comedian, and they said, well, do you want to go up and tell some jokes? I went, yeah, sure. So we're at the McKinley Hotel. I went up and did about 10 minutes, and you know, a few people laughed. And then the band was playing, and the band had played before I went up. And the band was playing all those great 70s songs, you know, like Backstabbers and uh, Who's That Lady and all that other stuff. And uh, I was like, oh, I love the OJs. You know, the OJ music, I love it. So I went up to the guys after the show, and they're packing up all the equipment. And I said, man, you guys played all that great uh, 70s music. I said, uh, what's the name of your band? The guy goes, we're the OJs. <laughs> You're the OJs. <laughs> You're the OJs. That's the hometown. <laughs> like, I put that on my resume. I was like, 
OJs. I, I couldn't believe it. I was like, yeah, the OJs, man, they were great. They were a bunch of great guys. And uh, they're, they're, still, they're still touring today. They're running around the whole country, the whole world, make, making music. And uh, God bless them. And uh, yeah. well, that was great. That was a great time. Gentlemen, no, we're but, down to about 20-odd minutes, so we got to get a little bit more into the game itself. i got a, a, a couple questions I'm going to throw out there, and then I'm going to try to see if I can bring in Fred Foster and see if I can get him on the line. But uh, let me throw, I'm going to throw a couple of questions out, and anybody can answer these. The first question I'm going to throw out there, and you guys can fight over this uh, like a fumble. Do you think Peyton Manning was going to choke in all that cold weather? That's the first question. The other one is how you, you guys think Marshawn Lynch is going to fare Sunday? I'll let you guys go first. Go ahead. All right, Dave. Well, uh, Tico, I guess you can go. Go ahead, you guys go. go ahead. Well, I think Marshawn Lynch, having been in Buffalo, um, is perfect for for some cold weather. <clears throat> Nobody's going to want to tackle that man. Period. <laughs> True. Um, so I think that that's in the Seahawks' favor. <clears throat> um, and what was the other question? Oh, well, uh, the Manning, thing about uh, uh, yeah, going to choke in all that cold yeah. weather. He doesn't do well in cold weather. You know, weather. It, it's going to be it's going to be tough. I mean, it's going to be tough depending on what the what the the temperature is like. But, um, I don't. You know, I, I I give Seattle's defense the edge over the over Denver's offense. Um, in the cold weather. Yeah. Um, I think Peyton is going to make some plays, but I think Denver's going to have to rely more on their running game than than, than normal. You know, I'm on the um, NFL Network now looking at all the pundits, and Charlie Cashley, a guy you're all familiar with, yep. Uh, yep. is picking Denver 21-14, to 14, Peyton Manning MVP, mm-hmm. and he says, why would the Broncos win? It's hard to hold this explosive Denver team under 20 points. But he's got Denver's defense holding Seattle under 15, well, obviously at 14 points. And Marshawn, now don't forget about Sean Moreno. Maybe he'll get loose. And, uh, you know, he, no one's really talking much about him because of Marshawn uh, Lynch's seven-minute, you know, meetings with the press. So, he's, you know, he's, he's out in the, in the wide open. But I don't know. I, it's going to be a great game. I'll tell you what, I know this for a fact. This will be the most watched Super Bowl in history. This will go down because of all the nuances of Seattle with Pete Carroll. Can the college coach win a Super Bowl? Uh, you know, Peyton Manning's maybe possibly his last game. You've got this thing being played out over the world. More and more people are going to watch it. It will go down as probably one of the best Super Bowls ever. And I don't think we, we've never had a Super Bowl go overtime, have we? No. And I, I'm thinking now that's in my head. But no, and this, you know, that new Super Bowl rule or the new overtime rule, with this, if they kick a field goal, you get to still go down and score a touchdown. Can you imagine if this right. goes overtime? Seattle kicks Super Bowl, and then Maiden goes down and scores a touchdown to win it in overtime. Oh, that yeah, would be, yeah. That would be perfect justice right there, poetic justice. Now, I will say Denver has the edge on wide receivers. I'll, I'll give mm. it to Denver on that on that one. No question. Oh, sure, sure. Yeah. No question. Let me, let me throw this question the out stats. there. So, so who's the better coach, uh, uh, Pete Carroll or John Fox? Well, I'll go first. Fox now. Don't forget Fox coached against the Patriots when he coached at Carolina. That game was a strange game. If you remember, there was no scoring in the early parts of either half, and then the last five minutes of both halves, there was this cluster of schmutz of scoring. And you wonder, 
what did he learn from that? He used to coach the defense for the New York Giants, so he's been around the Super Bowl before. Pete has been at the NCAA level, obviously, with USC, but never coached in a Super Bowl. So, you know, whether, whether that mm. means anything or not, I, I put the edge toward John Fox. I think I do. So, mm. I think they're both great coaches. I, I It's hard to pick. I mean, I was at that game with um, um, John Fox and, and, and the Patriots, and I was I was hoping for an upset. They they flubbed a, a late kickoff after they scored. Right. Patriots got the ball back and and marched down the field and scored. And all three of the Patriots Super Bowl wins they won by three points. Oh, I know. And yeah. <laughs> and, and they they lost that first one I think by three points. Yeah. Was it something like that? Three points. But anyway, oh, um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, Carolina was hot that year. Yeah. Ah, I, you know, what Pete Carroll has done in three years has been lights out. Him and Jim Harbaugh came out of college smoking, both of them. Right, that's right. Yep. Both of them the came pack, out of college the smoking. 10. Yeah, the Pac-10. So, yeah. Uh, and a lot of great quarterbacks. I, I, can't call that that I can't call that one. I can't well, call that one. Well, for the Super Bowl, with these two teams, coaching isn't going to matter. They've already been coached up. It's going yeah. to come down to on-the-field performance, period. Mm-hmm. I think clock management always plays a part. Um, sometimes, you know, I think Shanahan, one of his problems was clock management. He he seemed to get kind of goofy. Well, the whole Redskins, I'm, I'm sorry to bring it back to the Redskins. I'm, <laughs> I'm a lifelong okay. fan. I'm a junkie. I'm an addict. But, uh, you know, clock management may play a, play a role. If this is a tight game. Um, it's going to come down. You know, Russell Wilson is just a winner. In his first two years, I mean, he's won more games than any quarterback in the history of the NFL in his first two games, and that is impressive. Yeah, he beat um, Roethlisberger's record. I think it's good. Yeah, and he's won the yeah won the most two games uh, most games ever. Yeah, in his first two seasons yeah. in the NFL. So that you're right. I mean, there's a lot to be said for that. There's a lot to be said for the yeah. Seahawks, you know, saying this guy can lead us, and they don't have any question about his uh, ability to uh, lead them to a championship. And, and that's that's the whole thing about this game. And it's it's odd that it's being played in New Jersey with the weather being uh, more of a story than it should be. Because if it was in Miami, all you'd have to worry about is either the heat or the rain. And San Diego, all you'd have to worry about is, you know, people just having too much fun. So, yeah. you know, <laughs> in, in New York, you've got to worry about a snow squall or the wind picking up. And Bill Parcells has always said, in that area right there, it's a crazy area, East Rutherford, it's so wide open, the wind can change on you in a minute. And if it goes from one, you know, one direction to another, if it picks up 10, 15, 25 miles an hour, uh, that could be, uh, you know, something. That's what I was saying about Denver, trying to get off to an early start, because if they're going to have to rely on Peyton Manning's balloons, you know, going out into the air and someone catching it, that might happen, but... He has a tendency to get a lot of wind or a lot of air actually under his balls when he throws them a little bit deeper the last couple of years. So we'll see what happens. Yeah, that, that weather's going to make it a very dramatic game. I'm looking at Russell Wilson's stats. They said he's got a career rating of uh, 100.6, which is outstanding for his career. Yeah. One thing that was interesting: salary. Guess what his salary is? Hey, what's he making? Five hundred thousand. Yep, about uh, five twenty six two seventeen. So yeah, I guess uh, if he does well in this game, he's going to have a major, major upgrade in his salary department. Yeah, yeah we well, uh, no. he can 
Yeah, he can go play yeah. baseball in the offseason. He can be a pitcher again. Yeah, I guess yeah they're making a base. I think the Rangers are making a baseball card with him. Yeah, I think they drafted him. Yeah, they drafted him, I think, uh, in this past uh, Major League Baseball draft. They drafted him in, like, the 10th round or 8th round or whatever. It might have been earlier. But I love baseball. they got, like, 37 rounds, and the NBA has two. That <laughs> shit cracks me up. <laughs> but you can make a lot more money in baseball. Little things, little things like that make me laugh. You know, the NBA. You I mean, can the, last longer uh, in baseball too. Yeah, well, look at Mike. Uh, Mike, uh, what's it? Piazza. He was like a 46th yeah. round pick. You know, as a favorite of Tommy Lasorda, and the guy's a Hall of Famer. So you can never tell. Yeah, you but can never crazy. tell. No. Yeah. No. But who um, is this guy, Macklemore? This pop uh, singer, I, I, I must be getting old. These these pop singers have no idea who these people are anymore. Oh, music's passed me by. I used to be a DJ, and I was a DJ for years, and I just I I couldn't I couldn't tell you Miley Cyrus from you know her dad. I, I couldn't tell two of them. I have no clue. No clue. You know, to me, Madonna well, is still skinny. like a virgin. Yeah, Madonna's like a virgin to me still to this day. I have no. I've lost so, so much. With these with these singers today, I have no clue. Absolutely, no. I'm so lost. I feel like I feel like I'm 80 years old. I'm an idiot when it comes to this new stuff. Uh, it's crazy. <laughs> Music's crazy. But <laughs> well, he came out at the uh, Grammys and uh, sang this song about it doesn't matter about who you get married to and stuff. And uh, Queen Latifah came out and married 33 people. Did y'all see that? Oh, that's right. At the Grammys, yeah. I heard People about that. Right. That was great. <laughs> I never saw that before. Watch that break out in the Super Bowl. They're going to have, instead of a, a flash mob, they're going to have a wedding mob or something in the Super Bowl. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like, that's yeah. Cool. <laughs> With a bunch of Indian streakers yeah. running across the field. Oh, i got to tell you a story. I was living down in Clearwater. I was living in Clearwater, Florida for a few months, and we had this venue that I worked at, and, and it's a wedding venue. So we're getting ready for yeah. the wedding, and the bride's getting dressed, and the groom's getting dressed. All the all the, the uh, groomsmen are there, you know, the best man and everything. And here comes the uh, the gentleman who's going to perform the ceremony. I guess the preacher, right? So he gets up on the stage, and the lights kind of dim, and the candles are all lit. And I'm waiting for this guy to open up a book and to read from the Bible. What do you think he's reading from? He's reading from a tablet. He has mm. a Kindle. He's reading from a Kindle. A dearly uh-huh. beloved. <laughs> What if his battery went dead? He'd have to wing it, you know? And I was like, ah, you like her? Oh, sure, you like him? Okay, get out of here. And it's like, he's reading from a Kindle. I couldn't believe it. We were just, we were shocked. We were like, is he just reading? Is he reading from a Kindle? <laughs> I think some of the trends are starting to use those Kindles on the sidelines, you know, instead of the play, the, the little playbooks and photos they would take and run over and have to print them out. Now they can just right. go on a Kindle and go boom, boom, boom. Right. Yep. Knowledge oh, something else. Couldn't yep. believe it. Gentlemen, we're no. down to about nine and a half minutes left, so let's get into predictions. I'm going to go first. I'm going to predict that uh, Russell Wilson is going to play lights out. He's going to surprise everybody. I think Marshawn Lynch, is, he's going to ground and pound. They're really going to control the clock. I think that uh, Pete Carroll is going to come up with some trickery a little bit. And... I predict that Seattle will win the ball game. I say 34-31. What say you, David? Well, you know, it's funny about stats. We're looking at the playoff stats. Russell Wilson's only had 300 yards passing in two playoff games. So he's going to have to step up his game, obviously. Uh, but 
I think Peyton Manning's going to going to make this uh, the Peyton Manning show early in the game they, with uh, Wes Welker and guys like that, and they're going to just uh, I think they're going to be able to pull this one out. I think it's probably like 34 to 27, something like that. I think Denver will pull it out. So that's my prediction. All right, what say you, Tico? I think either uh, Denver or Seattle's going to win. Oh, so you really push it right out to the limit. I'm going to write that down. Hang on, i got to get a pen. Well, you're a real swami. You're a real swami there, Tico. I didn't know you were clairvoyant, man. Oh, man, I, you know, start, I'm really thinking one, it's going to come down to one of these teams, you know, pulling it out. But he's nailed it. He's nailed it. <laughs> I feel you know, I don't know, man. I, I'd be happy for Champ Bailey. I'd be happy for Peyton Manning. I'd be happy for Russell Wilson um, and, and Beast Mode. I think, you know, when, when Marshawn Lynch was in, 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 in uh, Buffalo, I mean, they just labeled him as this trouble, troublemaker or whatever. And, you know, they blew it all out of proportion. They, they, they are eating their hats right now that they let Marshawn Lynch go. Um, I like Marshawn Lynch. I, I don't know. I don't, I'm not a big prediction guy. I, you know, it's, it's like, you know, is it going to – is it going to rain next Thursday? I don't know. I'm just looking for a good game. It's going to be a great game, though, that's for sure. Get, the, get out the chicken wings. I'm going to be getting the chicken wings. I'm going to BJ's this weekend. I'm going to get a whole bunch of chicken wings and enjoy myself, that's for sure. Uh, but, Andy, what say you? I'll be, I'll be waiting for a second. What say you, Andy? <laughs> Sunday's game? Yeah, yeah, that's the one. Yeah. <laughs> well, the Lady Terps lost again tonight for their third straight. So, Sunday, oh. I expect them to beat Syracuse at Syracuse, but they're going to have to get away from Melissa Thomas. They're going to have to come with some other people on that team. We're going to have to contribute more. And uh, I picked the Terps over Syracuse Sunday. Okay, stick to to what you know best, right? That's right. Well, these girls are much prettier than those guys you'll be watching. That's for sure. (laughs) I don't blame you, man. I'll be the mediator again. How about you, William? What do you like Sunday? Uh, I think we already covered that ground. Seattle will win the yeah. ball game, thirty-four, oh. thirty-one. That's that's what I say. Yeah. Okay. Well, it go overtime. Who's taking overtime? Game. What's the? Uh, huh? I wonder what the line is out in Vegas. I wonder what the bet is in Vegas if it's going to go overtime. Uh, if anybody's betting. I don't that. think. I think because of the weather, everybody's going to want to get in, get out, get home, <laughs> get the trophy, and yeah. roll. Yeah. Well, I think it's really going to depend on the bars. If the uh, someone's talking to the bartender and the bartender has to do whatever he or she has to do in order to extend the game a little bit, if you know what I mean. Right. Exactly. <laughs> Phone call to an official. Uh, you know, we've seen it before. That's all I'm saying. Football is is it's just it's a great game. It's it's actually not the sanest thing to be doing with a body, but. Um, for those sitting on the sideline, it's great. I used to play for Kentland <laughs> Tigers. Unless you you're in Philadelphia. Heard of Kentland? Oh, yeah. yeah. Anybody ever heard of Kentland? I, I was defensive tackle. Landover? Yeah. I used to play for the Kentland Tigers, man. We used to play people like Palmer Park and uh, Chevrolet and uh, Berwyn Heights. And uh, who else did we play? We played Glen Arden sometimes and... Uh, Oxen Hill, and all those PG counties, man. We man, it was so much fun. But playing in the cold, you do not want to stay out there all day. I'm, I don't care how much you love football. 
It's too cold, man. Come on. That that yeah, that I Green Bay it. game. Yeah. Oh man, that Green Bay game was brutal. Yeah, can you imagine? And the guys that game come out there with short short sleeve shirts. Kaepernick came out with his short sleeve shirts. I was like, dude, you are a fool. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, he's a man. Some Under Armour on, you know, I'm having me some Vaseline all over me, you know. And <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, like, for example, I couldn't imagine that Ice Bowl game. That, 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 that would have been oh, crazy man. back in the day, the 60s. This well, is going to be like the Ice Bowl, man. Well, they say it's funny with the camera in the end zone that got that great shot of, of the block with, you know, Jerry Kramer and, and Bart Starr coming over the top or, you know, through the middle. They said they, that camera was actually frozen. So if someone went to the right or the left, they would have never gotten the shot because they couldn't move the camera. It was literally frozen oh. stiff. I'm surprised the film was actually moving. Uh, that's how frozen it was there. That's uh, it's a great story. You know, and, and tribute to Steve Sable. I, you know, again, I don't want to drop names, but I had a chance to meet Steve Sable with my, with my time with films and uh, got a chance to go to his house once in the guy in such a beautiful house. He had a room dedicated to Elvis Presley. He was such an Elvis fan. And it was so funny to walk into this room and everything was Elvis. He had the Elvis rugs and the Elvis jukebox and Elvis lamps and everything. And he was such a fan of Elvis, you know. And, uh, and every time we think of the Super Bowl and even Kent, Ohio, and you think of NFL films, you know, you've got to pay tribute to Ed Sable and Steve Sable and uh, – and sad oh, yeah. that we that we yeah, we lost Steve and uh Yeah, rest in peace. Yeah. Paying tribute uh-huh. to those guys, you know. Because that's what we all grew up on. We all grew up on NFL films, you know, watching yep. all that stuff with all the great music. Yeah. You know, and, and the I voice have some of, of the God, albums. John Facinda. Oh, exactly. voice John of God. Yeah, John Facinda. Yeah. Well, it's so, been a blast, uh gentlemen. Um we're kind of running out of time, so um, David, quickly talk about uh, what's coming up with uh, Wise Guy Kitchen. Anything else you got going on? Uh, same for you, yeah, Tico, uh, and uh, same for you, Andy. Okay, well, I'll start off first, if you don't mind, because I'm, I'm one of those kind of people that likes to hear myself talk. And uh, But, yeah, I've got some <laughs> things happening down in New York uh, with a friend of ours and Vincent, too. We're in a movie with Zach Epi. It's called uh, The Italians Don't Mess With The Carlucci's. It's kind of a comedy mob movie where we're looking into that. We're in pre-production now, but we've got some uh, footage that we're shooting over the next few weeks down in New York, so that's going to be a lot of fun. And I'm working with, uh, of all people, Clem Caserta. If you remember the movie, uh, she played Jimmy Whispers in the movie uh, Bronx Tale. We're working, yeah. together on, uh, yep. we're working together on a documentary about Robert De Niro and Martin Scorsese. He's putting it together now called The Boys of Melbury Street, and that's something that's in the pre-production as well. And I'm going to be helping him doing some narration for that. So I'm looking forward to that. It's going to be a big treat for me. And, uh, and that's about it, doing some stand-up on the weekends uh, here in Boston and, and Providence. And uh, that's it, just living my life and having a great time. And uh, I've just uh, obviously uh, been such a lucky uh, individual, met some so many great people, and, and having a chance to be on the air with you guys has just been a big thrill as well. So I appreciate it very much. I really enjoyed it. Okay, Tico? Uh, yeah, um, look for me uh, um, in a, a Hallmark movie called On Paper that I just shot a few weeks ago. Um, and um, I'll be in a Super Bowl commercial. Uh, look for me at the Super Bowl with a very famous cat who, I, they told us we can't say anything. We're not supposed to talk about the commercial. Uh-huh. Uh, so uh, I don't want to get in too much trouble, but it's going to be on at the Super Bowl. It's going to be on at the Super Bowl. Look for me at the Super Bowl. Cool. Hear, hear that, folks? Look for him at the Super Bowl. 
All right, Andy. Cell phone, cell phone. <laughs> okay, so, I'm writing columns uh, on DC, well, both out of DC, for examiner.com on women's sports and on uh, immigration. And before we go, I'd just like to tell folks that uh, former Mystics great Nikki McCray is uh, battling breast cancer. She's now a assistant coach with uh, South Carolina. And this came out, uh, well, she learned of it in November, but they only made it mm. public uh, earlier this month. Mm. So you might keep her in your thoughts and your uh, prayers. Almost. Yeah. Oh, no, we'll definitely do that. Definitely. Okay, Thanks gentlemen. Me, well, it was it was great. Uh, thank you, David. Thank you, Andy. Thank you, Tico. I think this is one of the better shows I've ever done. I'm definitely let's make this a tradition. I, I'm gonna definitely do this next year, and not not only for the Super Bowl, but you know other uh, momentous events in uh, history that's going on down. You know, try to bring in actors to comment and kind of do something a little different. You know, and I think it was a fantastic show. I really enjoyed the all the, the wonderful stories that we had and the fun we had tonight, man, and I'm just really, really pleased with the show. And um, I tell, ask you all, tell you all thanks again and um, wish you all a good week and a good night. Thank you, William. Enjoy well, the Super Bowl. My pleasure. Okay. All right. Okay. And let me leave you, my dear listeners, with this quote from Ralph Waldo Emerson. The wise man in the storm prays to God not for safety but for deliverance. Deliverance from fear. Good night.